the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own. More than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. And welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here, we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Now with two weeks left, Our attention is focused on Christmas and the holiday season. This year, the holiday season will be almost back to normal. I traveled down to Leesburg, Virginia for Thanksgiving to visit my son and his family. I see people are traveling again. Restaurants are full. My clients, they're traveling everywhere. They say the airlines and the airplanes are full. This Christmas season will certainly be better than last. But remember, we're not back to normal yet. The COVID virus with its variants is still out there, along with a flu bug. 
But the vaccines, the two shots and the boosters, have provided a level of protection that has allowed more people to get out and get on with their lives. And since some people are more vulnerable than others, either because of age or some medical conditions, we have to be respectful of others' wishes in terms of basically closeness and hugs and kisses. And also by making sure that we're on schedule regarding our booster shots. And with regard to spending for Christmas presents, as before, we have to be careful not to become too excited and get carried away with buying. We need to make the Christmas budgets before we start shopping. Otherwise, when the bills come in January, we're going to be very sorry. At that time, our new, at this time, our New Year's resolution should be spend less and save more. But if we focus on our important family goals and our plans for meeting these goals, we can draw up the budget for Christmas without, without breaking the bank. Remember, we have goals for the family, braces for the kids, special activities for the summer, uh, goals for ourselves. Now you just take a look at those goals and decide how much you can spend for Christmas without derailing our long-term goals. Then we can look forward to enjoying the Christmas season and celebrating the birth of Jesus. Then our only worry will be whether or not we have a white Christmas in Northeast Ohio. And in between our Christmas planning and shopping, we can entertain ourselves by watching the economy and our investments. This week, global equities were mixed again. In the U.S., the three major stock indices were down for the week, while in the U.K., the FTSE 100 was down for the week, and in the European Union, both Germany's DAX and the uh, stock Europe 600 were both down for the week. But in Asia, uh, Japan's Nikkei 225 was up for the week, while in China, both the Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong's uh, Hang Seng were both up for the week. On Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed for the week at the Dow Jones Industrial Average at 33,476.46. The weight was down 2.77% for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 closed at 3,934.38, so it was down 3.37% for the week, and the NASDAQ composite closed at 11,004.62, so it was down 3.99% uh, for the week. So during this past week, there was good news for the U.S. economy, the improvement in the consumer sentiment as reported in the University of Michigan's uh, Consumer Sentiment Report. Uh, consumer sentiment rose 4% above November's uh, reading. Consumers seem to be less worried about a, uh, a recession and its impact on the labor market. In addition, the measure of inflation expectations also suggest that consumers are, are noticing that inflation seems to be, uh, be more stable. In fact, the five-year inflation expectation 
was unchanged at 3% in December uh, from November, indicating uh, uh, consumers are seeing a more stable outlook for inflation. Later in the show, we'll go over the details of that University of Michigan report. And another area, manufacturing, continued to grow in October. That's according to the U.S. Department of Commerce's uh, uh, full report on uh, manufacturer shipments in inventories and orders for October, uh, where orders for manufactured goods were up 1% uh, in October from September and up 12.8% year to date. And uh, while shipments were up 7 tenths of 1% in October, the month of October, and up 12.9% year to date. And we'll also talk about that later. And we also talk about the latest qualitative assessment of the manufacturing sector and the service sector. That's according to results from two independent organizations. One's the Institute of Supply Management, and the other one is uh, S&P Global Corporation. Uh, The the, uh, qualitative assessments are mainly extracted from uh, comments from the managers in the service and manufacturing industries with regard to how did this month uh, compare to the last month in terms of uh, employment, in terms of orders, and backlogs, shipments, things of this nature. So it's not as granular as the uh, detailed government reports from the Department of Commerce and the Department of Labor, but it's more timely in the sense that uh, it, these, these numbers will be, the results will be for November rather than October. Uh, Aside from the U.S. economy, uh, investors in the U.S. stock market and bond markets are focused on the the Federal Reserve and its war on inflation. And that's been probably the biggest uh, contributor to this down market. Uh, On Friday, the U.S. Department of Commerce reported their producer price index for November. And the November report, uh, producer prices, showed prices rising three-tenths of a percent over the prior month on a, a head, what they call a headline basis, which means that they've included food and fuel, and uh, four-tenths of one percent on a core basis, uh, which uh, those numbers exclude food and energy. Economists have expected an increase of two-tenths of a percent for each one of those readings. Uh, uh, But uh, what you saw was uh, three-tenths of a percent uh, for the the month of of November plus uh, four-tenths of a percent for the core uh, increases in the producer price index. Those numbers are far for the month. Now, if you take a look at compared to the previous 12 12 months, what you're going to see is producer prices, it rose 7.4%, which was a decrease from the 8% in October, but still higher than expected. So uh, that was a bad surprise because after 
the October readings in the consumer prices from the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, that showed uh, some inflation pressures easing, whereas uh, Friday's data suggests wholesale prices or factory gate prices remain on the rise and points to inflation remaining uh, firmer in the coming months than investors had uh, previously expected. Uh, that focused attention on the events next week, and that is the Consumer Price Index report for November. That'll come out on Tuesday. And uh, the last uh, number we saw was uh, uh, 7.8% for the uh, for a 12-month period. And uh, uh, that had topped out, I think, the, the maximum number there was in 9.1% inflation in June and then 8.2% in September, and then in uh, October, it finally got down to 7.8%. So we would be interesting to see what this latest, greatest number uh, shows up as uh, on uh, Tuesday. And the other thing that's going to happen next week is the Federal Open Market Committee meeting. That'll be held on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, the 13th and 14th. And basically, uh, about uh, 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon of, on Wednesday afternoon, uh, the chairman, uh, Jerome Powell, uh, will summarize what's, uh, what, their, uh, what they talked about and what their plans are and, and what they raised the, uh, uh, the federal funds rate. Uh, even as the economy has shown strength in the latest jobs numbers and consumer spending data, Investors are becoming concerned that the stronger than expected economic data will prompt the Federal Reserve to push interest rates higher than expected and basically keep the rates up longer than anticipated to ensure that uh, inflation is under control. Uh, some investors had hoped that the Federal Reserve would, would pivot after inflation data showed uh, some preliminary signs of easing in recent months, but uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. And in uh, uh, raising interest rates, the Federal Reserve basically has to balance the uh, higher rates, uh, basically will slow the economy and tramp down inflation versus the damage that's being done to the economy in terms of higher unemployment and decreased growth. So. Uh, trying to do that balancing act is, is complicated by the time delay between the Federal Reserve action in terms of raising the rates and when the results and consequences show up in the overall economy. So the Federal Reserve could uh, overshoot. Uh, you know, they've uh, increased the uh, Federal funds rate by three quarters of a percent in the last four meetings. Is that too much? Well, we'll know, you know, six months from now. So they, they could overshoot and uh, damage the economy and then have to uh, reverse course. Depend, it all depends upon how much damage is, is being done here. Uh, in the run up to the federal meeting, all eyes will be on the uh, consumer inflation data, and that comes out on Tuesday, and uh, that that's forecast to show prices 
while much too high, continue to decelerate. In other words, I've mentioned before, the, the present trend is 9.1% in June, 8.2% in September, 7.8% in uh, October. So we'll see what this uh, Tuesday number looks like. So um, the bond market is signaling that uh, uh, the, they're betting that the policymakers will raise rates by a half a basis point on Wednesday after four straight uh, increases of 75 basis points or, or three quarters of a percent each. Officials, including uh, Chairman Jerome Powell, have, uh, are indicating a downshift uh, while stressing borrowing costs will need to remain restrictive for some time in the future. And for instance, on November 30th, uh, Jerome Powell said that uh, rate hikes uh, could be moderated at the upcoming December meeting, signaling a, a downshift from this uh, three quarters of a percent increase to a more reasonable half a percent move. But uh, he also, in the November 30th, indicated that, uh, hey, uh, we might be slowing the uh, steps that we're making in the in the interest rate, but in the long haul, we're going to go probably higher than we originally anticipated. So uh, the Federal Reserve has been criticized um, previously because they increased the federal funds rate at this uh, three-quarters of a percent for the last four meetings, and the uh, criticism is that, hey, there's a time delay between uh, when the Federal Reserve raises the rates and how the when and how the economy responds, and now the plan will be to increase the federal funds rate in smaller increments, but go to a higher interest rate in the end. In fact, that the... Uh, uh, at the December 13th and 14th meeting, that's the next week, the members of the Federal Open Market Committee meeting uh, will generate a new uh, set of, uh, I'll call it guesstimates. Uh, it's where the uh, the uh, presidents of the Federal Reserve Bank, they're on that committee, and the governors of the Federal Reserve Bank uh they're also on that committee. There they they uh, may give their estimates of uh, several parameters over the future time intervals. For instance, uh, they'll talk about uh, wh where they, they think the federal funds rate will be at the end of 2023, at the end of 2024, at the end of 2025. And then a longer period, which is generally assumed to be about five years in the future. Uh, they'll make an estimate. What is the federal funds rate going to be over that time period? They'll also estimate what the GDP, the gross domestic product of the country, will be. How much will it grow or decrease? Uh, they'll also estimate the unemployment rates. They'll also estimate the personal consumption uh, uh, expenditure price index, that's their, that's the Federal Reserve measure of inflation, and also the core uh, personal consumption expenditure indices. Um, they make all these estimates, and they're, they're 
they're really guesstimates as to what is going to be in the future, but they're they're called either the dot plot because uh, they look like a shotgun pattern uh, or the summary of economic projections. That's the official title for it. And these projections uh, are expected to be higher than those that were developed in uh, September. So they basically, uh, every quarter, they come out with new projections, and the, the projections have been getting higher each uh, meeting, uh, each quarter. So after Wednesday, uh, basically the federal funds rate should be at a high of 4.5%. Uh, Right now, they're at a high of 4%, and uh, uh, actually, the Fed funds rate um, are constrained to fall between, right now, 4% and 3.75%. But uh, the high point after this Wednesday meeting is expected to be 4.5%, and there'll be some discussions about increases of the interest rates in 2023. And the best guess among economists is that the rate could get to 5% uh, in uh, 2023. But there's also predictions of uh, 5.5% or even 6%. So basically, at at 45 to 5.5%, the Federal Funds, the Federal Reserve could easily cause a recession. Uh, which could increase the unemployment rate and probably slow down the average worker raises that have been uh, presently coming in at 5.1% per, per year. So the Federal Reserve has always been very sensitive about wage price spiral. And what you're, what they're concerned is that uh, how can they get the inflation at, uh, down to 2 or 3% while uh, raises are coming in at five percent per year, so uh, one of that may be a good reason for the for a uh, uh, recession in the sense that uh, to get the unemployment up and get those raises down. So uh, Chairman Powell has said he's willing for the economy to suffer some pain. And to lower inflation near, which is presently near a 40-year high, and uh, what we're going to do is see a little bit more of how much pain he intends to inflict on uh, Wednesday next week. The Federal's the Federal Reserve summary of economic projections is also likely to show that policymakers are looking for weaker U.S. growth and slightly higher unemployment. Than they had expected in September, they they may downgrade the 2023 growth estimates to uh, eight tenths of one percent uh, compared to 1.2 percent in September, while the unemployment uh, numbers would rise to 4.6 percent. Uh, the U.S. unemployment rate presently stands at 3.7 percent. That that's a number that came out about a week and a half ago. So when the unemployment rate goes up, basically what's expected then is that uh, uh, spending will likely decrease. Uh, you don't have confidence in your job anymore. Uh, although there is a cushion 
in the economy, and economists have estimated that consumers have about uh, 1.5%, $1.5 trillion in extra savings. And that came about because of the COVID lockdown where uh, you, couldn't, uh, you couldn't spend money on anything. Uh, and there's uh, some people that estimate that uh, that, uh, that savings, $1.5 trillion will be used up by mid-2023. So if we get into an inflation, if we get into a unemployment going up and uh, uh, people are going to slow down their spending, that's going to just have a ripple effect on on uh, stock prices too because the earnings will suddenly go down too. So uh, it's all uh, great, great big feedback loop. And and regarding an early possibility of an early pivot, which uh, Powell had argued that higher rates are necessary for longer, even amid the economic weakness, uh, you basically to push down prices. Uh, uh, and he doesn't want to err on relenting prematurely in the inflation battle. And he refers to the mistakes that were made in the 70s and 80s. 1970s and 80s that fostered the high inflation, which led to the Federal Reserve inflicting a severe recession to bring them down. That's what he referred to in the uh, meeting at the end of uh, August, where he uh, had two things to say. One, uh, they have only, Federal Reserve has only one uh, goal, and that is to get inflation down. And the other one is remember the lessons learned from. The 70s, uh, where uh, they didn't do a good job of that, and the final result had to be that uh, inflation did get up to 14 percent. And uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, and uh, the chairman at that time, Paul Volcker, had to raise the overnight rate or the federal funds rate to 20 percent in 1981 or 82. I forget what it was. And that caused the recession, then brought the unemployment up to 12%. So that that was the definition of a bad recession. So I don't think we're going to get anywhere near that. But that's that's the that's the thinking of your Federal Reserve at the present time that they've got to get the inflation down now uh, because if they don't, it, there's going to be hell to pay to get it down in the future. So. Uh, you know, when we talk about the, all the things that are going on in the economy and uh, basically the Federal Reserve and whether that could impact our employment or unemployment or impact our uh, investments or impact our uh, bond prices and things of this nature, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of drama uh, in you know the big economy right now. But we need to get our financial plan basically organized and and reduce the drama in our personal world. And the way to do that is to uh, figure out, hey, we're not the United States. We are uh, us, you know, our family. And uh, you have to plan for your family in terms of identifying the, the goals. And uh, what are they? You know, depending upon where you're at in life, it could be... Uh, Retirement, if you're closing in on retirement, if you're uh, 
just starting a family. It's going to be uh, uh, the cost involved in, in a family in terms of uh, uh, a house and, and uh, education and all the rest of the things. And or starting a business. There's all sorts of things that people uh, have as goals. And each one of those goals, you can put an approximate uh, cost and schedule to those goals. And then you have to say, okay, how do we meet that? Like in retirement, retirement is one of your most costly um, goals, even with... uh, even taking into account the uh, Social Security, you have to take a look and say, Social Security is going to provide me with so much money, but I have to have my nest egg there in order to have another source of income that between these two sources of income, I have a reasonable standard of living and a secure standard of living in retirement. Other people are saying, well, uh, uh, I want a vacation home or I want something. I want a, a boat or something like that. And you have to be able to talk about what it is you want and uh, how you're going to get it, how you're going to save for it. And, uh, uh, and that paycheck comes in or maybe two paychecks comes in every month or every two weeks. And how is it going to be allocated to uh, the different uh, uh, goals uh, that may be due next year or maybe due 30 years from now. So you got short-term uh, risk, long-term risks. Uh, you got uh, you have to balance risk and reward. You have to also be protected against the un- the unknowns, uh, like uh, you have to have life insurance and also property and casualty. You know, if you take a look at the hurricane that that, that uh, went down through. Florida uh, a few weeks ago, uh, what you see is that people used to talk about Sanibel Island, and I look at pictures of Sanibel Island, and if basically if you're going down to Sanibel Island, uh, bring a shovel. I mean, the, the place is gone. So it's all those things that you, you have to say, hey, I've got a plan, and I've got to make sure that it's protected. And I better make sure that I pay attention to it. Uh, One thing that comes up in Christmas shopping now, uh, you know, with this uh, recession, looming recession uh, coming on, uh, there's going to be a slowdown. So you basically, you have to look to your emergency fund. And uh, if that paycheck stops, that emergency fund is going to have to kick in And uh, basically, do you have enough in the emergency fund uh, to get you by for uh, six months or even longer? Uh, So if you you don't, you better get busy. And maybe uh, instead of making this uh, lavish uh, uh, Christmas expense, maybe you better uh, focus in on more like a, a getting your emergency fund in in shape, just in case uh, you get a pink slip here. Okay, this is this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. Oh, give us a call over our toll free number. Our toll free number is one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. That's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. You can give us a call. We can talk about the big picture, the little picture. 
whatever things you want to talk about. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalise. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call. Our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. You know, one of the things we talked about originally was how do how people uh, feeling, you know, with regard to uh, what's going on in this uh, uh, high inflation environment and where we got the stock market and the bond market down and, and in high inflation. So uh, there seems to be a sense of relief uh, uh, that uh, inflation has stabilized and is coming down. That that comes from a uh, uh, consumer survey report from the University of Michigan. And uh, they poll uh, a large group of people and, and talk to them about how they feel about different economic uh, ideas, and they they will, will go over their uh, uh, summary of the, their report. But uh, basically, shows that uh, the uh, index of consumer sentiment is rising up, and it's come up about four four percent. It really it took a nosedive, and. Uh, uh, Probably about uh, a year ago, for instance, uh, uh, well, less than a year ago. A year ago, the consumer price index, not the consumer price index, the uh, survey of uh, consumer sentiment was at 70.6, and uh, now it's at uh, 59.1. Although it did go down to, like last month, it was 56.8, so it's come up. Since last month, and then November was up from October, so uh, it's it, it's coming up. People's people are, are feeling a sense of relief, basically, and that they have some sort of a stable system here. 
they look at both the in the survey they look at the current economic conditions as well as the uh, expectations for the future and both of those numbers have come up and uh, indeed in their survey of uh, consumers uh, the summary is quote consumer sentiment rose four percent above November recovering most of the losses from November but remaining low from a historical perspective. All components of the uh, index index lifted with one-year business conditions surging 14% and long-term business conditions increasing a more modest 6%. Gains in the sentiment index were seen across multiple uh, demographic groups with particularly a large increases in the high-income families and those with uh, larger stock holdings supported by recent rises in financial markets. Sentiment for Democrats and independents rose 12% and 7%, respectively, while Republicans, for Republicans, it fell 6%. Throughout the survey, concerns about high prices which remain high relative to uh, just prior to this uh, in this current inflationary episode have eased modestly. The year-ahead inflation expectations improved considerably but remain relatively high, falling from 4.9% to 4.6% in December, and that's been the lowest reading in 15 months, but still well above two years ago. Declines in short-run inflation expectations were visible across the distribution of age, income, education, as well as political party identification. At 3%, long-term inflation expectations have stayed within the narrow uh, range of 29 to 3.1% for the 16 to the last 17 months. So that's basically the summary of that report. But, you know, you're looking at it, and consumers are uh, maybe less worried about a recession and its impact on the labor market. But they also uh, may also be seeing some overall easing in upward inflationary pressures, and not just in energy. Uh, those readings hardly suggest a, a uh, buoyant mood in this holiday season, but do point to some sense of relief. Uh, <clears throat> the measures of inflation expectations uh, suggest that consumers are noticing that inflation at least seems stable. Uh, the one-year inflation expectation of 4.6% in December uh, the five-year inflation expectation at uh, 3% uh, in December. Uh, the uh, Fed policy owners, policymakers are going to be relieved that consumer inflation expectations are not creeping higher and that their aggressive rate hikes have helped curb inflation worries basically in the medium term. So, uh, what we're seeing is that people are, hey, you know, just uh, uh, seeing that inflation seems to have peaked in uh, June and now seems to be uh, going down, which 
will probably continue to go down until it reaches probably uh, four or five percent. Uh, if you take a look at the uh, the short term, uh, the monthly increases in the consumer price index and the uh, the twelve month increases, uh, you see that the the monthly increases are in the order of three tenths of a percent, which means that hey. Uh, three tenths, four tenths of a percent per month, and over a twelve-month period, you're talking uh, four point eight percent to three point six percent. So <clears throat> those numbers are going to be hard uh, to get down to this two percent, three percent number that they're talking about, which I said before is probably more like three percent. Uh, the only time we were at two percent was after two thousand and eight. And we had even difficulty getting it up to 2% at that time. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call. We have that toll-free number. It's one 888 So, uh, Good morning, Jim. Yes, Colleen. We had a great question from Lisa. She wants to know, um, when is the deadline to contribute to different retirement plans and how much stock losses can she write off for tax purposes? Oh, okay. Well, now's the time to start thinking about that. So, uh, for instance, like the IRAs, uh, <clears throat> you can you can contribute those. For instance, this year's IRA, you can wait until uh, April, the deadline in April, uh, to contribute to that. But for your 401ks or 403bs, uh, the deadline is uh, December 31st. So you got to get your money committed there to by December 31st for 401ks and 403bs. And as far as writing off, you know, the, the stock losses or investment losses, uh, what you do is uh, <clears throat> you can carry those over from one year to the next. And uh, what they do if they carry them over is uh, they just wait there until you get some uh, capital gains to erase those. Now, of that uh, capital loss, you can use three percent. You can use three thousand dollars of that capital loss to go against uh, ordinary income uh, each year. So. Uh, each year, you can uh, use that uh, 
uh, capital loss uh, the, to uh, uh, write off three thousand dollars. So, and uh, you just carry the rest of it forward, and basically, what you'll find out is that we've been through enough recessions to know that uh, it's not going to be as long as the 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 uh, the bull markets last a lot longer than the uh, bear markets or the recession. So uh, you'll come to a point where a couple of years from now, you'll be looking at uh, uh, positive you know, capital gains and you'll be saying, well, how do I decrease these? And you, what you do is use your capital losses uh, from this period of time to do that. So, uh, Lisa, if you have any other questions, just give us a call. We have that toll-free number. It's one 281 Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Hey, uh, we talked before earlier about the, the good things that are happening with regard to the economy, which are, which are probably bad things as far as the Federal Reserve is concerned. You know, a week ago, for a week ago, we got the the uh, employment numbers and, and the, the JOLTS report showed that, in God, we had about 1.7 jobs for every person that was unemployed. Uh, so there's a big demand for labor out there, uh, 236 uh, positions, new, new jobs were filled uh, uh, last month. And uh, uh, then you take a look at what's happening in uh, manufacturing, manufacturing, according to, to the Department of Commerce, they put out a report that says, hey, uh, that's their full report on manufacturing uh, shipments and inventories and orders uh, for October. And they say uh, uh, manufacturing uh, uh, increased 1% in October. Uh, they increased $5.8 billion to Hit $556.6 billion in manufacturing. And that followed a three tenths of a percent increase in uh, September. So, and of course, the shipments have also been moving out too. And, uh, and, uh, if you break it down into the durables, uh, goods versus non durable goods, what you see is that the increase in, uh, for the one month, in uh, durable goods was 1.1%, and for non-durable goods, it was 1.0%. Now, if you take a look at uh, uh, year-to-date, uh, how much uh, <clears throat> orders for durable goods have gone up, it's basically 10.9%. Non-durable goods have gone up 14.7% uh, year-to-date. So, uh, the, the both the orders and the shipment uh, are in good shape. Uh, um, people are manufacturing, uh, and when you take a look at the numbers, uh, particularly for uh, transportation equipment, uh, what you're seeing in numbers in, in motor vehicles is 
uh, 1.7% increase for the month and 10.1% increase year to date. If you take a look at aircraft, civilian aircraft, uh, you'll see a 7.5% increase per month and a 51.7% increase year to date. And uh, defense aircraft, uh, fighter aircraft and bombers, uh, that's basically uh, going up at 11.1% per month and 8.5% uh, for the for the year, so or year-to-date numbers. So uh, the factory orders, uh, manufacturing is doing good. Uh, that's for October, and that's put out by the Department of Commerce. Now what we do is take a look at a more that's what we call that a quantitative uh, report. It takes time to put them together, and they're kind of dated when they do get out. Uh, for a more current report, we take a look at the Institute of Supply Management and uh, uh, the U.S. manufacturing activity growth showed clear signs of a uh, of a, a slowdown in uh, November as compared to October. So uh, apparently we were doing very well in in uh, October, but now we take a look at the uh, latest results in November, and what we see is that uh, the Institute of Supply Management's manufacturing index eased down to 49 uh, in uh, November from 50.2 in uh, October. So. The way uh, this index is generated by the Institute of Supply Management, and what they do is they talk to manufacturing executives and they ask them, how do, how do you rate this month versus last month for parameters like new orders, production, shipments, employment, backlog of orders? And then the Institute of Supply Management uh, grinds all this data together to provide a uh, manufacturing index number where uh, an index number of 50 is considered to be neutral and anything greater than 50 is considered to be expansion and less than 50 indicates uh, contraction. So what you're seeing there is that even though orders and shipments for manufactured goods uh, were up in October, the latest results talking to people that are in that particular field show that for November it's slowing down. Uh, for instance, like uh, uh, chemical products, uh, say future volumes are on a downward trend for the next uh, 60 days. Uh, uh, computer and electronic products, say, Consumer demand is softening, yet supplies are maintaining high prices and record profits. Pushing for cost reductions based upon market evidence has been surprisingly successful. Uh, transportation equipment, orders for transportation equipment remain strong. Supply chain issues persist with minimal direct effect on output. Uh, the uh, Machinery. The machinery group says a general economic uncertainty has created a slowdown in orders as we approach the end of the year, and many of our 
key customers are reducing their capital expenditures. And uh, we've seen that in other areas, too. <clears throat> in other words, uh, businesses uh, are taking seriously this concept of there uh, could be a recession, and there seems to be more and more people confident that there is going to be a recession. So if you've got any big capital uh, capital uh, spending projects, the idea is to put them on hold until uh, we get through this period and see whether there's going to be a recession or not, and basically uh, how bad it's going to be. So overseeing here in uh, manufacturing is that uh, last month, the index number was 50.2, and this month it's 49. And it's basically come down <clears throat> since December of last year. December of last year was 58, and then by May it was 56, and then by uh, August it was 52, and now we're down to 49. So what you're seeing is manufacturing is... is uh, Moving on the downward slope, and uh, if you take a look and say, okay, uh, let's look at some of the raw data. Uh, if you ask the managers, uh, how about new orders? How does this month compare to last month? Um, 13% said that this month was better. 25% said it was worse. Production, 20% said it was this month was better. 18% said it was worse. Uh, <clears throat> Backlog, backlog showed that the uh, the managers thought that 14% of the managers thought their backlog was increasing, 34% uh, thought it was decreasing. Okay. In terms of unemployment, the unemployment was basically balanced. 13% said that uh, they brought in more workers. 17 17% said that uh, uh, they were getting uh, uh, buy with less workers. And also, you have another group, U.S. You know, Standard & Poor Global U.S. Manufacturers Purchasing Managers Index, which shows a similar story. And uh, they say that U.S. Manufacturers Purchasing Managers Index posted 47.7 in November and down from 50.4 in October. So they're they're their take on the whole thing for that month is a combination of rising costs of living, higher interest rates, growing recession fears have led to a slumping demand for goods in both the home market and abroad. Companies are consequently cutting production at a rate not seen since the global financial crisis if the initial pandemic lockdowns are excluded. So uh, in any, any case, <clears throat> what we're seeing is that the the uh, economy <clears throat> is uh, slowly gliding into a recession, both with regard to the increase in the interest rates and also with regard to uh, how big businesses and big companies are uh, uh, going to react. In other words, if they if you if you see something happening and you don't know what's happening, why you you're not in uh, you're not ready to make any big uh, money commitments. So everybody's tightening up. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Low. 
Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. <clears throat> Welcome, welcome back to Get Rich Flow. In a Christmas, this is the Christmas season, and here's a story about appreciating the gifts that God has given us. Here's a junior high school students who are studying the seven wonders of the world. At the end of the lesson, the students were asked to list what they consider to be the seven wonders of the world. Though there, there was some disagreement, the following received the most votes. Egypt was number one with the Great Pyramid, and then India, the Taj Mahal, then the Grand Canyon, then the Panama Canal, the Empire State Building, St. Peter's Basilica, and China's Great Wall. While gathering the votes, the teacher noticed that one student, a quiet girl, hadn't turned in her paper yet. So she asked the girl if she was having trouble with her list. The girl replied, yes, a little. I couldn't make up my mind because there are so many. The teacher said, well, tell us what you have and maybe we can help. And this is what the girls thought were the seven wonders of the world. Number one was to touch. Number two was to taste. Number three was to see. Number four was to hear. Number five was to feel. Number six was to laugh. And seven was to love. And the, the class was silent. You could hear a pin drop. And, and this story should serve as a general reminder to all of us that the things we overlook as simple and ordinary are often the most wonderful. So we don't have to travel anywhere special to experience them. So this Christmas, let's make God our center of our attention. And may God protect you and keep you safe. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.